Welcome to the Living Through Heart podcast. I'm Donna Joy Asher and I'm an analytical hypnotherapist, a psychotherapist, a spiritual healer, a magnetic mind coach and a multi-award winning best-selling author. I believe that everybody is capable of creating whatever they want if they can just get out of the beliefs and stories in their head. This podcast is an audio blog of my thoughts as I go on a journey to heal my soul, surrender into my feminine power and to live from the present moment in heart. I hope you find it amusing, interesting, thought-provoking, touching, raw and inspiring. Hello, it's Donna Joy Asher and welcome to this 30th episode of the Living Through Heart podcast. So uh, this is part three out of five of a series in the podcast I'm doing on uh, attachment styles. And last time we talked about secure attachment, the time before that, I just basically talked about attachment styles in general, what they were, how they formed, sort of the psycho psychology behind them. And today I want to talk about one that is very close to my heart because it was my attachment style. Um, my, my, prior, my primary attachment style, which is anxious attachment. So this may also be known as ambivalent attachment. So anxious attachment is when uh, anxious attachment is formed when basically when we talk about the circle of trust for the child, for the baby, and the baby has a need, the baby lets the need be known. So there's an arousal and then the baby's need is met. When there's a breakdown between the baby lets the need known and the baby's need is met, when that is broken down, sometimes so not all the time so sometimes their need is need is met sometimes their need is not met and it starts to form anxiety within the child because the child is unsure as to whether or not their need is going to be met so it's basically a result of an inconsistently responsive caregiver so they the thing about anxious attachment is that the child learns to settle for the bare minimum so they learn not to be too much, um, that they are not enough, and they may feel like they're walking on eggshells and be hypervigilant about any behavior that's going to push love away. So they're, they're basically anxious all the time. <laughs> so now if you um, deform into the anxious attachment style like I did, now it doesn't mean that you have an anxious attachment with every single relationship in your life. So you can have secure attachments with some people and you can have even um, avoidant attachments with others. Uh, you can move into avoidance. So for instance, if you had somebody who was pursuing you and you weren't interested in them, then you would go into avoidant. Um, but when you get into an intimate relationship with somebody, then what ends up happening is that the anxious attachment is triggered up. So this is how and when I learned, I didn't realize I had an anxious attachment um, start in an intimate setting until recently about six months ago when this all started for me and I had my anxious attachment was very deeply triggered up and basically what ended up happening is that I was uh, in pain all the time in in mental and physical because of the uh, the sensation in my body the energy of the anxious attachment pain all the time and I just had to sit I made myself sit within it because I could observe that what was happening within me was not healthy so rather than giving in to the needs that were crying out of me to have to have my need fulfilled and to have my um, my pain soothed I basically sat with the pain 
uh, and worked my way through it. So I was doing self-hypnosis, self-analytical um, hypnosis, taking myself into the pain, into the trauma, back into the memories that were, had created this. So back basically into things that had happened in my childhood that had created this anxious attachment, but more also as a young teenager and a young adult, things that had amplified my belief system that created it. So basically... You know, we've, we form these belief systems, these patterns when we're in our unconscious stage between zero and four, and then we spend the rest of our life uh, amplifying them, shoring them up, strengthening them, um, because it's the way we perceive the world. We perceive the world through the lenses that are created by this belief system, this perception, and then we are consistently um, proving it to ourselves again and again and again by our perception. So I was able to go into this again, um, over and over again, into the trauma and um, start to release it and start to see what's going on. And this is basically what led to me um, getting interested in attachment styles and starting to work with Georgia Rose, who's uh, one of my mentors over here in the tantra, um, tantra space on attachment styles. So if we're going to use an um, analogy of basically a car, what an anxious attachment looks like is it's like a, a pedal to the metal. So you're always accelerating towards connection, like you're always wanting that connection. You're always on the chase. You're always going after it, going after others, but not catching up to them, right? And But if someone moves towards you, then you slam on the brakes because not only are we wanting to be loved, we're scared to be loved because as an anxious attacher, we have this fear of rejection and that's the biggest thing that shows up. It's this terror of rejection. So if we were to show up as 100%, if we were to show up as ourselves and then be rejected, then that is the most painful thing of all. So we, we desire to be loved. We crave to be wanted and loved. We, you know, we want to be adored and worshipped. But if somebody actually steps in an office to do that for us, we back off uh, and it can even go into avoidance at that point because we're terrified of that rejection. And the, the pain of that can often um, keep us moving away when someone does start to move towards us. So the key qualities of an anxious attachment in a person is a big fear of rejection and of abandonment, a fear of being abandonment. And we often create this because what happens is that anxious attachers are naturally attracted to avoidant. Um, and avoidance are very good at rejecting and abandoning people because of their own um, attachment style, their own fears, which is a loss of freedom. So an anxious, there's a real push-pull dynamic that happens between anxious and avoidance. And we're always fulfilling each other's, it's like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, the anxious has a fear of rejection. The avoidant has a fear of loss of freedom. When the two of them get together, it's fireworks at first because of the polarity that's being is created between the two of them. Um, you know, the anxious goes in and, and is everything to everybody and has no boundaries, right? And flows right in and like is wanting to basically, you know, be the perfect partner and do everything and be the caretaker and be so loving. Uh, and, it, you know, it makes the, uh, the other person feel amazing, right? Until they feel almost like this energy is smothering them. And then they have this fear of freedom and they back off. And at that point, that triggers up the anxious attacher because everything that they feared is coming to pass. Like they showed up, they loved, and now they're being rejected. And then the more this anxious person backs off, the more fear there is um, from this anxious, uh, sorry, the avoidant, the more the avoidant backs off, um, 
you know, trying to get their freedom, the anxious starts to get even more anxious because they can see that they're getting abandoned. They can feel that they're getting rejected. And so they, they either go in more harder, right? Smother this other person, like trying to wrangle out of them what they want, which is just to be loved. Or at that point, they, they go the other direction and they go, right, well, stuff you. And they move off and they give this avoidant person the freedom that they need, the space that they need for them to be able to breathe again, then for them to be able to feel safe. And then they come back to the anxious. And it's this push-pull dynamic. So then they come back to the anxious person, they give them the attention that they're craving and the anxious person feels loved and then they come back in. But then very soon they're smothering this avoidant person who then backs off. So we end up with this push-pull dynamic. So I don't know if that is um, ringing any bells for any of you. It might be um, something that you're feeling in your own relationship or you can relate to from the past, this dynamic between the anxious and the avoidant person. And like neither of them are wrong right this is just something that was created in us as a way to stay safe when we were children so it's not like these people that we call emotionally unavailable i mean often quite often you know we say men are emotionally unavailable because they they fall into this avoidant and it's not that they're doing it on purpose it's not that they're trying to be horrible they're just trying to stay safe so the attachment style is actually the solution to the problem is that they didn't feel safe when they were children and they're trying then they found us a, 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 like a mechanism a coping mechanism to deal with that and for the anxious person it is in just coming in and just trying to be loved so um the big quality is that that fear of rejection abandonment um and they can easily become preoccupied and obsessed now what i'm talking about now i'm, I'm generalizing broadly and i'm, I'm going like all in on on how it presents in like a major way now not every anxious person is extreme like this and not everybody has all of these different elements but this is kind of like an overarching generalization of an anxious attachment style someone with an anxious anxious attachment style Um, so they can become preoccupied and obsessed with their romantic partners Um, they have codependent relationships where they overly depend on another for safety, stability, happiness, and security. And this for me has been a big thing in the like over the last six months, as I've been working on my anxious attachment style and coming back into secure, not needing somebody else to fulfill me, not needing somebody else to make me feel lovable. Um, it's that fine line between uh, being overly dependent on another and then being able to depend on another. It's like, well, do we need to be able to depend? Should we have needs? Should we have wants? And that's the questions I've been asking myself and that I probably address with, uh, you know, in, in later podcasts of what my thought process is, because it took me a while to actually realize after, you know, a couple of years of being separated from my husband and being fiercely, I would call, have called myself avoidant during that period of time, fiercely avoidant, um, to realize that you know what it's actually human nature to want a partner and to want to be in well even relationships with friends to have relationship to have community you know it's uh, human nature to want somebody in your life and that's okay it's okay to have those wants and needs it doesn't mean that there's a weakness there which is what i felt i felt that i should be fine by myself and not need anybody else and then all of a sudden I had this massive anxious attachment tr- style triggered up and, and it was the worst kind of torture for me. Um, and that is what happens. People who are okay by themselves, like I was, uh, if something happens that you know intimately, then this um, anxious can be triggered up and you weren't even aware that it was there and it can be quite shocking when it happens. 
Um, so anxious star people, when they're in, in that relationship, they tend to overgive and overextend themselves to others as a way of maintaining connection, right? But then we harbor resentment because we're not getting the same in return. So we go flow in and we do everything for everybody or for our partner, for our spouse. And we're, you know, trying to make ourselves almost like invaluable, right? And then when our needs aren't being met because we're expecting the other person to either um, be a mind reader or to be meeting needs within us that we should actually be able to meet ourselves, right? We shouldn't need everything from our partner. There shouldn't be – our partner's not there to heal our wound, right? Our partner's not there to fill our wound is the way I, I should put this. Um, you know, if we've got woundings and we've got stuff like that, that's our job. That's our issue. And we should be working on healing that ourselves. We shouldn't be expecting our partner to make that pain go away. And that's what happens with this anxious attacher style. We go in and we, we, this pain that's always there in the background, this anxiety of, over not being good enough, over not being lovable. When somebody gives us attention and affection, um, that pain goes away. And then when they back off because we're being smothering or because just basically that, you know, that first few weeks of the relationship where you can jump tall buildings, when that starts to wear off and, and they back off and start to get some space, then our pain comes back, but it comes back tenfold because we may not have even been aware that it was there before. But then when we are rejected, it's amplified. So anxious attachers have a desperate longing for closeness, um, yet it also feels unattainable which causes them to chase um, and ultimately to push away that love that we want. And we give and give and give and we don't get as much back. And that's one, because we're choosing people who may not be capable of giving back. But two, and two, we're not leaving space for anyone to give back. And three, we're not letting our needs or our wants be known. We're just expecting them to mirror us and to mimic us in our action. And can't they see that if I do this, then I want that? Um, but they can't see that because they're a totally different person and they don't realize how we're thinking. You know, people are not mind readers. And that is something which I talk about uh, more in, in future podcasts, too, about um, conversation, how to have really important, intimate conversations with people. And it's so weird that we're not taught this and we don't have conversations with people and we don't express our needs and we don't express our wants because we're the fear of rejection. Right. The fear of being um, my big one was being if I did express a need or a want, then I was made to feel high maintenance. So I basically got to the point where I was self-sufficient. I didn't didn't have needs and wants, um, which is why when I came out of my relationship, I thought that I didn't need anybody. So receiving is really difficult for an anxious attacher because I know myself, I used to feel like I had to be doing at least 51% of the work and more than that, right? Just to make sure that I wasn't like, you know, being neat, uh, I wasn't being um, high maintenance or if someone had to put too much effort into me, then they might not want me and it might cause me to be rejected. So I always had to be doing more. Um, you know, we tend to be people pleasers, definitely, people who have anxious attachers. Um, and we think that that's just our personality uh, type which it kind of is, right? But it really what it is, it's this anxious attachment style that's making us people please so that people want us around so that we don't have to get rejected. So it's all really, even when we're doing these amazing things for other people and people pleasing, it's actually self-fulfilling, right? It's actually, in a way, it's a little bit narcissistic because we're doing it because deep down, unconsciously, we're terrified of being rejected. Therefore, we try to make everybody want to have us around by pleasing them. Um, so yeah, it's it's hard for us to receive. We want it desperately, but it's hard for us to accept it because deep down inside, we don't feel worthy and we don't feel lovable. 
uh, and you know that's the wounding that has to be healed so we value and prioritize relationships um, which can be the entire world so everything else can be put on hold because all of a sudden when we get into an intimate relationship then that becomes a priority because if it doesn't and we're rejected then that's a disaster for us um, but within that it, it's also easy to feel suspicious if someone does genuinely care for you all right um, and yeah, I mentioned before where anxious attachers are more attracted to emotionally unavailable and inconsistent pe people because this feels familiar, right? This is the familiar energy of when we were a child and our needs were being inconsistently met. That's what we're used to. That's what we're comfortable with. And that's what we know how to survive. And we know how much that's going to hurt. Now, it's interesting because you know, as an adult with a conscious mind, we know certain things and we know things that will make us happy and we know things that will make us sad um, and we want to move towards happiness and away from sadness. But sometimes we just can't seem to, to do it and it can be really confusing as to why not. But the reason we can't is because the unconscious mind is actually running the show and its job is to keep us safe. Now, it doesn't care about happy and sad. It cares about safe. It doesn't understand happy and sad. All it knows is safe. So if it learned in the formative years and when the rules were being written and the um, belief system was being created, if it learned how to survive within this um, needs being inconsistently met and it knew the energy of that and it knew that it could survive it, then it will keep choosing that. It won't choose what our adult mind consciously wants, which is a deep, loving relationship with somebody who, you know, ultimately is a secure attacher, right? Because one, we're not in secure attachment. So uh, we wouldn't be attracted to a secure attacher. Uh, it's going to be attracted instead to the people that give us the same energy, that same uh, not quite there energy almost like there's a lack that we can flow into and we flow into it with our energy and it feels familiar and it feels safe and it's like that ah oh, feeling but it's actually not what we need and ultimately not what we want which is ironic right um anxious attachers can get very clingy very possessive very very jealous and very needy um and they're as needy as their unmet needs are. So depending on how supportive and loving their partner is, if they're if it's very avoidant, then they're going to be even needier and more clingy or someone who is kind of giving them, you know, meeting their needs and less needy and um, and clingy. Uh, what tends to happen, though, is if an anxious attacher ends up with another anxious attacher, then the energy becomes uh, the polarity is gone and the appeal goes, that, that romantic attachment appeal goes and it ends up just being friends. People end up being friends as opposed to romantically involved. So anxious attachers tend to give what they most need to receive, but they don't know how to ask for it, right? So they're giving what they most need and then they resent their partner for not giving the same back to them. So it's like, I'm giving you this, hoping that you will then give me the same back. And when they don't, they get resentful. And they romanticize the perfect partner and relationship. Uh, so they have this whole big dream built out of what the perfect partner relationship is going to be and ultimately, you know, how they're going to be lovable within that. And then when something goes wrong, they get really distressed. Uh, and then what tends to happen is if we get into a relationship and then there's that gap there, that void there, that person pulling back, right, we will settle for the bare minimum um, because it's better than being alone. 
Once that's been triggered up, the thought of being alone, of being rejected and being abandoned is too painful. So we will stay in a relationship where we're not getting what we need and we're not getting what we want over being alone because the pain is worse alone. And what ends up happening is we end up taking these crumbs that are given to us by this person that we're in a relationship with and we turn them into gold. And I used to feel like a squirrel harboring nuts. And I would take these nuts out and I would polish them and I would think about them and I would, oh, but he said this or he said that. And, you know, because I was just getting, depending on how, depending on how generous that person was feeling or how good a mood they were in at the time, I might get dropped a compliment or something nice might get done for me. And, oh my God, it would just fill me up and I would just hang on to that and I would just look at this thing, right? Because... Every, there was this huge void around that thing. So rather than having a loving relationship with someone who was supportive and who prioritized me and who thought I was important, I was having to take crumbs and turn them into gold. The thing is, though, also, if we believe, and obviously not everyone has this one, right? But if we believe that we are going to be rejected and that we're not lovable and we're not worthy, then there's a part that's always seeking proof of that, right? Seeking proof that their partner doesn't love them or maybe is cheating or lying, whatever, because we're being hypervigilant in our relationship and constantly scanning for signs of rejection or or possible rejection because we're trying to um, look for the pain, avoid the pain but you know look for when the pain's coming so that we can get ready for it Um, we definitely take too much responsibility in relationships because we do too much um, and can be addicted to chaos and drama in relationships the other thing is that for an anxious detacher stability and consistency feels boring so they wouldn't be attracted to a, a, a secure attacher as much because a secure attacher is not into the drama is not into the um, the push-pull dynamic sort of they don't want anything to do with that they're very stable and consistent um, and they can be very a very deep love like a very big space held there but for someone who's in anxious attachment then that becomes yeah quite boring so anxious attachers pretty have you know some low self-esteem because they don't feel worthy they don't feel lovable and they often compromise their authenticity so they become like a chameleon fitting in to with who they are right rather than standing in the truth of their own being so I don't know if you've ever seen that Julia Robert movie with um, Richard Gere not Pretty Woman but the next one where Runaway Bride Runaway Bride that's the one so when he works out that Every man that she'd been with, every fiance that she'd been with, that she'd run away at the altar from, she had eaten, liked her eggs the same way that they had had it. So basically, she was a chameleon that was just molding into their life, fitting into their life, becoming them, flowing into them. What they liked, she liked. What they did, she did. Um, And this is the anxious attacher. We do what we, we, we become this other per, like this other person because we think that that makes us safe. Because if we become like them, then we're not going to be rejected. It's like if we can just flow in and be, be as much like them as possible, then why would, they, why would they get rid of us? So we compromise ourselves and we compromise our own wants and needs. And I know that when I came out of my long-term relationship, I actually didn't even know what I wanted. I didn't know what I liked doing for myself anymore because the thing is I had actually liked doing all the stuff that I had done with my partner. But 
they had been uh, his choice and I had just gone along with it because it's oh well I'll enjoy it anyway and then the things that I had wanted to do uh, was stuff that he wouldn't enjoy so we just didn't end up doing it so when I came out like I actually didn't know what I enjoyed doing myself and and what was for me and what was not for me anymore so I'd lost myself Um, I'd lost myself in that relationship and this can happen I know with mothers with children as well right they lose their identity within their children Um, this can be the anxious attacher uh, with with their own family so we feel very insecure not good enough and unworthy and we feel as though we're asking too much or can't have our needs met so we're seeking a lot of validation and approval from others to feel good about ourselves Um, anxious attachers can often have difficulty being alone because of basically what's going on underneath the surface so in the mind the discomforts that's there that when they're alone it comes to the surface and for me it was um, I used to distract myself from this in two ways one by overworking like chronic overworker and the other thing was um, eating so I would find myself eating um, to distract myself from the discomfort and that's ultimately why I started therapy all those years ago uh, was to to help with my you know desire to eat things when I wasn't hungry. Uh, and it's interesting when I when I started looking at my masculine and my feminine energies, it was the feminine energy that was doing the eating, and it was the masculine energy that was doing the overworking. So now I'm working with both of them to try and let go of those things. And the overeating is pretty much gone. Um, and the overeating, uh, the overworking is definitely getting better, but I feel them. I feel, I still feel them triggering up sometimes. Then I have to sit with the discomfort of what's underneath. Um, and it's, it's quite often a hollowness, an emptiness, a fear of being alone. Um, for me, where I am right now, um, a fear of, uh, you know, going into this next phase of my life into, you know, into menopause and beyond and never having been truly appreciated for who I am and loved for who I am because I was you know of who I was choosing you know lovely people and as I said there's nothing wrong we're all we're all just doing the best job that we can right but never having been felt truly honored and appreciated and um, adored and loved for me and for who I am and for my identity as opposed to the identity I become when I'm with someone and now, you know, moving to the next phase of my life, but a deep, deep fear is there that I'm going to be alone forever and never, ever be in um, a deeply connected and intimate, um, meaningful relationship with somebody who sees me for me. Because I spent my whole life not being seen for me, but then wanting it, but then too scared to have it, right? Because that fear of rejection. So um, how do we feel about others, anxious attachers? Well, we can be instantly trusting of others. We just flow on in and we don't take the time to build the trust, right? But underneath, we, we kind of, it's like this double, double thing where on one side we can be instantly trusting, but on the others, underneath that we generally don't trust others. Um, we tend to project onto our romantic partner so we project the you know perfection the savior that one and we fall in love really quickly with the idea of that person rather than actually seeing them for who they are and I used to do this definitely I'd go on a date and then I'd be in a relationship and I would um, make the best of it make them you know I'd flow on in and try and help them and try and you know we just see all the good qualities of them I'm not saying that they were bad people but they just weren't right for me Um, because I just wanted someone there to make me feel um, loved 
But if our partner um, or our friends don't live up to our expectations, um, they can fall off the pedestal quite quickly. And we can feel a lot of anger and betrayal and hurt. And this is the repetition of the childhood wounding coming up because basically, you know, we, uh, what we actually underneath and what we anxiously expect to happen when it happens, then we feel betrayed. But we've created it as well, right? So we worry a lot about what other people think of us. And this goes hand in hand with that whole people pleasing thing. It can be very painful to think that somebody um, will think something bad of you. And that was actually something that I had to work through to be able to um, leave my partner, um, my ex-husband, was to get to the point where I was okay with the idea that people would think that I was the bad person um, because I was leaving. So a communication style. Anxious attaches overshare. We overshare personal information, right? Um, and then we worry about it. We worry about oversharing. We tend to be highly emotional and reactive. Um, so just remember, I'm generalizing here and going sort of this is the uh, making this anxious attachment style as big as possible to talk about it. Um, can use drama and excessive um, emotionality to get attention. Um, can swing between blame, shame, guilt tripping of the other um, to and to that all it's all my fault. So it's all my fault that something happened. Um, can pick fight over, fights over small things uh, and have difficulty asking for what we need. So instead relying on manipulation, hints, uh, and then wanting a, a partner to mind read us because if they can know intimately, if they can just mind read and just give it to us, then it makes us feel better than if we had to actually ask for it, right? If we had to ask for something, then we get it. It doesn't feel as good as if we just actually got given it. And, you know, we do this to get attention, love, time, and presence from the other person. And anxious attachers have very weak boundaries and we often override our own boundaries. So we have weak boundaries to start with or non-existent boundaries. We just flow into the other person. We, we take on, like we mirror them. We become their life. We take their interests. We take their, um, their opinions um, because it's easier, right? And then we don't have a no and we don't have a yes. And if saying no to somebody means that we could, you know, brings up that fear of re being rejected, then we won't say no. But then we resent them because we're not saying no, we're saying yes, but then we're doing stuff we don't want to do and then we're resenting them. And it's a very, very bad energy to be in rather than just having a boundary and saying no when you mean no and yes when you mean yes. So we also feel a deep sense of rejection when someone else tries to have a boundary with us. So because we don't have any boundaries, when someone has a boundary with us, we make it mean something about it ourselves, that there's something wrong with us. And it's this rejection that comes up when someone puts a boundary in place with us. Uh, and we can often cross boundaries and don't understand personal space. So people who are in your personal space all the time, in your face or um, touching you when you don't want to be touched, hugging you when you don't want to be hugged, um, talking when you don't want to be talked to and you're asking them not to and they're doing it anyway, this is probably going to be an anxious attacher. So anxious attachers and sexuality, we can use sexuality as a way to maintain connection and it's a pathway for emotional intimacy, right, which can also be deeply unfulfilling. So because we're, we're using it as a way to be fulfilled in, a, in areas that we should be fulfilling ourselves. So we tend to use sex to avoid emotional vulnerability. And we often give an aim to please the partner instead of just focusing on our own pleasure and our own sexual needs. And it's almost like we're not allowed to have just take we're not allowed to just take and have pleasure right it always has to be about pleasuring the other partner 
And that can be a manipulative thing as well. Uh, and we often cross our own boundaries in this, right? So that difficult to say no to things in the bedroom when maybe you're not interested, maybe you don't want it, but the partner does and we don't say no because of that fear of rejection and, you know, we, we just give them what they want, basically. So our key belief around relationships is um, if I'm myself, if I show up as myself, I will lose love. So I won't be seen and I'll be rejected. And I can't trust in love because I'm not lovable and people always leave me anyway. So key beliefs in relationships is if I don't move towards my partner all the time, the relationship will cease to exist and I am of least importance to my partner and my needs always come last. And there's a belief that they don't really love me and I know they're going to leave me eventually. So that real insecurity underneath, which can lead to that neediness and that graspiness that goes on, which can be very unattractive, especially if you are with an avoidant person. So how do we heal this? How do we heal towards a secure attacher if we are an anxious attacher? Anxious attacher? Now, interestingly enough, one of the best ways to do this is actually in relationship. And if you are in relationship with an avoidant attacher and both of you are aware of this, you're aware of your attachment styles and you're wanting to do something about it and you're wanting to heal towards secure attachment together, then that can be the best way to do it when you're supporting each other, you're able to point out to each other in a loving way when the attachment style is there but then also able to give that avoidant person their space and the avoidant person is then also able to give you your wants and needs as long as you're also not just being overly needing and always having all your needs that need to be met by them but you're working on your own um, your own woundings yourself so to do this, you've got to get curious about yourself, right? And start deepening your awareness of the anxious pattern. So if you're listening to this and this is really speaking to you, then you need to sit with it and observe yourself within it and be, be the observer of your mind. You aren't your mind. You aren't your thoughts. So when the thoughts are coming up and when the needs are coming up and when that craving and that feeling and that uh, and feel it in your body. Feel into your body what this feels like because there's a definite sensation, like a graspiness that goes on in that body, a craving that's in your body itself, physical sensation. Become curious about this and start to observe it in yourself. And once you see it, okay, once you feel it and once you know it's there, it's like, well, what do I need right now and how can I give it to myself? What am I needing from this other person? And is this something can I give to myself? Is it this self-love, self-worth? Can I do something for myself right now that's going to make myself feel loved? So it's really about working on your relationship with self. So you need to build your self-worth. You also need to be open to receiving, right? Because anxious attachers aren't. Um, and it's really about healing the wounds of the past. And maybe this is something you can do yourself or maybe it's something you need to do with a good... Um, therapist so either a good embodiment therapist or a really good hypnotherapist somebody who can get you into the unconscious and back into these times and these places and these memories where these belief systems were formed so that they can be dissolved and replaced with more positive beliefs that are going to help you moving forward um, within your own self-worth and self-love you get to know you need to get to know yourself what you want um, and what you need and value in relationship which is probably something that you're not even aware of right um, and you need to explore exerting healthy boundaries, which can be hard if you don't know what you want. If you don't know what you like, then you don't know what your boundaries are. So this is all the self-discovery of who am I? What do I want? What do I like? What do I not like? What am I not? What am I allowing in my life that I don't want to allow in my life? And what am I not having in my life that I want? 
And what boundaries do I need to put into place to correct this? So it's really, really important, this self-reflection, the ability to put a boundary in and to stand by it without that fear of rejection. If somebody can't respect your boundary, then they're not the person for you anyway, right? If you say no and they leave you for it, I know how much it hurts, right? But this is a good thing because eventually you're going to find somebody who when you put a boundary in place, they're going to respect you for it. So um, you need to notice where there is reciprocity in relationships and focus on these ones because there's probably some unhealthy dynamics just within your friend group as well where you're being taken advantage of uh, and you need to start to put boundaries in place with these as well. So... Start getting comfortable with consistency, ease and simplicity in relationship. And you want to start giving people who are secure, consistent and reliable a chance and not always being attracted to this avoidant energy. The ones who kind of aren't always there for you where it feels safe. Uh, and you need to explore your beliefs around self, others and relationship. So otherwise, if you don't do this stuff, you're always going to get keep getting caught up in the same patterns because... It's the belief of the past that's creating the pattern of the future. So we need to rewrite these beliefs of the past and, and get to know yourself and heal these wounds so that you can start to create a different future to what you've had in the past. So knowing your relationship styles, you start to see how this, this inner woundings, this belief system, this attachment style is so important to our happiness in life and observing and, and working out your main attachment style is like really important. Now, in the podcast notes, I've got um, uh, links to a couple of different attachment style questionnaires so you can start to see your attachment styles. And I've also got links to Georgia Rose, who's my beautiful mentor here in Perth that I have done a lot of work with attachment style and a lot of um, on relationship uh and work on relationship stuff and also the beautiful Chantelle Raven who I'm doing my tantric embodiment practitioner training through um, both of these women are embodiment practitioners and they're also ta in tantra so they're um, very experienced in tantra so the details to them is also in the podcast notes so yeah go find out what your attachment style is and then start to observe yourself within different relationships. And you will find that um, you have a main attachment style, that you have in intimate relationships. And then you might have different attachment styles within French, different friendships and within different siblings and with different parents and things like that. And basically, as we heal our woundings, we come back closer and closer into a secure attachment style. Because what we're really doing is we're coming into a secure attachment style with ourselves. And we can love ourselves fully, 100%, all of ourselves, our shadow and all. Um, and when we feel self-worth so that we can have our boundaries and we know what our wants and our needs are and we're ready to stand up for them, but then we can start to create a truly magnificent life. Okay, I hope you got something out of this podcast episode. So next week in the next, um, in number four out of five, we're going to talk about anxious, sorry, no, we're going to talk about avoidant attaches. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Living Through Heart podcast. To find out more about me and Living Through Heart, check out DonnaJoyUsher.com and LivingThroughHeart.com. There you'll find links to everything you need, including some free tools to help you and ways you can work with me on your own soul healing journey.